two fairy tales with very different stories, but very similar modern sensibilities. Today's episode is The Princess Bride versus Stardust. My love is like a storybook story, but it's as real as the feelings I feel. It's as real as the feelings I feel. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Movie Deja Vu, the podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere, from two movie aficionados. I'm Shady, your swashbuckling pirate friend, and with me as co-host is Evil Prince John. God. (laughs) I would. I would be Evil Prince. You would. But, like, that's fine. I I get the pretty doublet, that means... Right. Or, like, the badass leather jacket. Oh. Can it be, like, a mix of the two? Okay. Well, you've got, you've got your day look and your night look. Or the writing look, you know, when <laughs> I go on my quest. <laughs> yes. So, as we stated in the intro, today's movies are The Princess Bride and Stardust. This is going to be... A little bit of a different episode for us. It's going to be movies that have more stylistic and tonal similarities than actual plot similarities. And a little story. A little story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're not, we we won't really be doing a skeletal plot breakdown because we can't. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I suggested this episode because I remember seeing Stardust and immediately thinking, this is the closest we're ever going to get to a Princess Bride sequel. Yeah, and you know what? They're two fantastic films, so thank you for making me watch them again. Yeah. I was happy with The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's the same that feeling I had with Mary Poppins, where I'm like, I know it's good, but it's been a while. So mm. is it really good? Or am I just remembering it and the TV edit, because it's always on television? makes it look better and then there's also the commercial breaks that you're like you you forget some stuff but right no this was a good movie yeah i'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is the best movie of the 1980s at least out of hollywood whoa i can't think of a single movie from the 1980s that i genuinely like more than this sister act was that That 80s that was the 90s That was, oh, that was early 90s. Yeah. Hello, Mary Lou, prom night two. (laughs) Okay, fair. (laughs) Pride is my second favorite movie from the 80s. Thunderdome, because Tina Turner, and we love her. (laughs) So our first film is 1987's The Princess Bride, which was written by legendary screenwriter William Goldman based off of the book that he himself wrote. It was directed by Rob Reiner. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 97% fresh and a Metacritic score of 77 out of 100. And that is out of 20 reviews, 16 are positive and four are mixed. So no negative reviews. No negative reviews. They're not all like 90s or something, so that's why it's... Right, a little lower. lower. And the IMDb summary is, while while homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to be reunited with his true love. But it's more her story than his. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, like, it's an accurate summary, but it feels like Buttercup's just not a part of it. Feels like she's Princess Peach to Mario. Right. But whatever. And then we're moving on to 20 years later in 2007, Stardust, which was written by Jane Goldman. As far as I know, no relation to William Goldman. (laughs) And Matthew Vaughn. Uh, It was based on the graphic novel by Neil Gaiman with illustrations by Charles Bess. It was directed by Matthew Vaughn. It has a 76% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and a Metacritic score of 66 out of 100. And that is out of 33 reviews. 25 are positive, 
seven is mixed, and there's one negative review. And then the IMDb summary for this one is... In a countryside town bordering on a magical land, a young man makes a promise to his beloved that he'll retrieve a fallen star by venturing into the magical realm. And that's only one of the storylines. <laughs> right, yeah, that leaves a lot out. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. Is he the guy that also directed the, um, the Kingsman movies? Yes. Oh... It's so different. Yeah. So let's get the first big thing out of the way. The reason why I compare these two movies, even though they have very different stories, is that they're both modern day fairy tales. And I don't mean modern day in that they take place in the modern day. Both of them, for the most part, take place in a period. What's interesting about that is every time somebody tries to do a modernized fairy tale anymore, it's either taking a classic tale and putting it in the modern day, like a Cinderella story or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or it's doing the Shrek thing where they're just out and out parodying fairy tales. And these two are both very sincere in uh, trying to recreate one of those types of stories. Or you have an outlier like the um, Ever After, which we did a few episodes ago. Right, but even that was like, they took a fairy tale and made it a historical fiction piece instead. They took out all the magical elements. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you you have a few different options too. You have the two extremes that you listed and then there's like that third one where they're like, like uh, Gregory Maguire books. Right, but they're all, you know, oh, it's a classic tale, but we're putting a twist on it. Yeah. And these two are at least from, they're based off of books. There's another similarity we can get out of the way. Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> they're based off of books, but the books were wholly original stories. They weren't, oh, we're doing Cinderella, but it's slightly different. Yeah. So basically, Shady just wants more original fairy tales. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> you know, most fantasy stories anymore follow how do I want to phrase it? They, they follow more in line with Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, where mm -hmm. the focus is like this big hero's journey. And what I like about both Stardust and The Princess Bride, they have a hero's journey, but the focus is the romance. It just, it gives it a different tone, a different flavor. And yeah, that's what I wrote down, that the romantic plot is like the main focus. Yeah. Uh, where the main characters need to find their true love. And yeah. I worded it that way <laughs> because, like, once Buttercup learns that Wesley is alive, mm -hmm. she's just like, he's going to come for me. Stop. Just let me go. Meanwhile, the narrator clearly states in Stardust that Tristan has to find his true love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, spoiler alert, it's not Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> She's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love her. Oh, Sienna Miller's great. Yeah. Fantastic performance. Um, but she is a bitch. Sam goes to Henry Cavill playing Humphrey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With that, that blonde hair. Oh, it's so ugly, but I love it. <laughs> it's so great. I love Henry Cavill when he does stuff that's more fun than the Superman movies that yes. he's been in. Yeah, people need to stop, like, I know he's he looks like an Adonis, mm -hmm. but people need to stop putting him as a superhero and just be yeah. like, just go. Or like, do a Chris Hemsworth thing with him. Let him be an action hero who's also a funny doofus. Yes, yes, let him be Thor. Yeah, oh. Well, no, like, like a Thor. Right, right. Like a Thor type character. But he could totally be in a Thor movie. Oh my god. Let's pitch it to Taika Watiti. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Taika, he, if you're listening. Yes. <laughs> I want to go back to what you were talking about. It, I, I liked these movies because it wasn't like Ever After, where they took the, like you said, they took the magic out. So magic yeah. is real in both of these. Right. The way that magic is real, though, is very different. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if it's because of the source material or because of technology, but like the Princess I'm, Bride, their magic was grounded in realism. Mm 
mm-hmm. and practicality. Right. And then Stardust, it was just like a swish and flick kind of a thing. Yeah. I've read both books. Have you read either of them? I haven't. Okay. <laughs> They're both really good. I recommend them. I know Neil Gaiman didn't, like, have a hand in writing the script for Stardust, but, like, was he a producer or something on it? He is close personal friends with Matthew Vaughn and has been for years, and he handpicked Matthew Vaughn and Jane Goldman to write the screenplay. Okay. He wanted specifically Matthew Vaughn um, because he was friends with him and he trusted him and he thought that that was a very rare quality in anyone from Hollywood. Yeah. And then the one thing that Matthew Vaughn was great with the action stuff, um, but he was a little less experienced with romance, so he asked his other friend, Jane Goldman, to help him with the romance aspect. Well, because, like, William Goldman wrote the script for The Princess Bride, so I don't think he would be offended. (laughs) Rest in peace, William Goldman, but I don't think he would be offended either way. Right. Stardust has a lot more differences between the book and the movie, but I will say my favorite thing in the movie is something that gets completely glossed over in the book, which is the whole bit with the sky pirates. Oh yeah, they seemed like thrown in there. Yeah, they, in the book, it's just sort of like, oh, Tristan, well, Tristrin, first of all, his name is different in the book. They changed it because Tristrin is a little difficult to say. (laughs) So they just changed it to Tristan. Um, But Tristan and Evane get picked up by, I don't even think they're pirates in the book. I think they're just like space sailors. Sky Um, sailors? Yeah. And they get picked up by them and then get dropped off pretty much. And then in the movie, there's no just, Captain Shakespeare. There's there's a captain. He does not even get a name. Oh no! That character was effectively created for the movie. I'm so happy because that means that we can tie both these movies together by saying that <laughs> right? there's, a, there's a pirate with a secret. Yeah. And can a I just friendly say, pirate with a secret? And can I just say, Robert De Niro as Captain Shakespeare? is like my daddy dreams. <laughs> he really wanted to play this part. He's got this image as like, he's a gangster. He's a real like hard ass and everything. And he wanted to do something where they start off with that and then totally upend it. Yeah, you could tell that he was having fun. And yeah. it's great that like, of course he's overacting in front of the crew, even from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So without... If you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry that we're spoiling this, but whatever. <laughs> you know what you signed up for at this point. <laughs> the crew, like, accept him for his true side. Right. Which is great that, like, he has this whole coming out moment, and the crew is just like, we're fine. We're yeah. Still our there's... That's what everyone, that's what people want when yeah. they come out. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Thus more into the fantasy world. But the Dread Pirate Roberts does come out in a way. Yes. It's Wesley, and he Mm -hmm. reveals that Dread Pirate Roberts is a title, which I love that that's in our lexicon as 007 in a way. Yeah. Where it's just a title. It just, it gets passed down from one guy to the next. Speaking of Dread Pirate Roberts, he's got epic sword fighting moments with him and Inigo Montoya. Oh, I mean, that is my favorite hand-to-hand combat scene in any movie ever. Can I tell you, I actually took the time for, <laughs> the, for the Cliffs of Insanity because the Cliffs of Insanity segment, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I know most out of the whole movie. This is a movie that I've seen, We've, I'm, you've seen it probably like dozens of times at this point. It might be in the hundreds, let's be real. Like we could, they, it has so many quotable lines like half and storming the castle, I'm not a witch of your wife, all these other things. <laughs> it, Inconceivable. It, yeah. uh, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. But I feel like that, am I right in saying this? The Cliffs of Insanity segment mm-hmm. where they get to the cliffs to the fire swamp is like the well-known segment of the movie? Yeah, I think it's the most cinematically dynamic. Um, so as far as like pure visuals go, that sticks out in the mind the most. 
like you said, this might be one of the most quotable movies of all time. Yeah, and it has the most lines, I would say. Yeah. One of the more, like, the movie that has one of the more lines that are quoted Mm -hmm. in pop culture. Yeah. But... Uh, I mean, we forgot As You Wish. As You Wish. My lord. (laughs) But I took two different time codes for this. Okay. I took it from getting to the top of the cliff to when she realizes it's Wesley, and then from the when they get to the cliff to the end of the fire swamp segment, because then you also have the RUSs and the mm-hmm. uh, the lightning sand and all that. Yeah. Which I oh, there's so many things that we could talk about, but the <laughs> the shorter of the two is 25 minutes and nine seconds. That's wow. like from the beginning to when she realizes it's Wesley. Yeah. And then if you want to keep going until they get out of the fire swamp, I have it as 34 minutes and 37 seconds. That's about a third of the movie. Yeah. Is that, and that's great because this movie flies. Mm-hmm. Like I'm hooked. There's also, I'm glad you talked about that too, because that portion of the movie is what I would consider the road trip, quote unquote, portion of it, um, Mm -hmm. where they're on an actual journey, a physical journey. Stardust, the entire movie, is a road trip movie. I have this as a difference where Stardust, going off of what you're saying, um, where Stardust has a shit ton of montages. Yes. So you have a lot of these low moments where it's just them riding a horse, them riding, like the different characters mm-hmm. riding a horse or walking <laughs> or something. But I want to go back to a similarity, which is another running thing that I like to note. <laughs> uh, both char- both movies have characters that are named after their descriptive terms. Huh. I made I made a big deal about this in our final destination episode, and I'm yeah. making a big deal about it now. Do you that's, want me to list them all for you? You can, <laughs> but that's also classic fairy tales. Most of them, that's every character. Most of them don't give any character a single name. Like, well, yeah, like if you look at the uh, IMDb, not only is uh, Robin Wright credited as buttercup but it's like buttercup slash the princess bride right even the main actor main characters who have names right even in the credits they do like the photo with the cast member name and then the character name buttercup does not show up it's robin wright as the princess bride even though they say her name a lot (laughs) i feel like also the prince is it just the prince or is it prince Humperdinck? i don't remember Anyway, <laughs> but then to piggyback off of my own point, <laughs> you also have those um, unnamed characters mm-hmm. or those descriptive term characters are telling the story. Mm-hmm. So like you have the disembodied narrator, which is Surian McKellen in Stardust, telling somebody the story who, I don't know, is it supposed to be us? Is he reading it to a child as well who's sick in bed? I don't care, and I, but, <laughs> and I love it. But then in The Princess Bride, you have those moments that are uh, of the grandfather reading to the, his sick grandson, mm-hmm. and they interject throughout. Like, mm-hmm. And it's great because that one is a little more what happens in real life. Right. I'm going to interject right here and uh, piggyback off of the point you're making right now, which is that another similarity, both movies have a Greek chorus. You have the grandson and the grandfather. And then in Stardust, the dead princes are a Greek chorus. <laughs> Not the narrator. So that is, that is a difference there. But <laughs> I just laugh because, yeah, because they're the ones that are like making comments or, and then they're also just like, hey, welcome. You failed too. <laughs> and then that brings us to another point. Both movies feature evil princes. Yes. Which is a bit of a divergence from most classical fairy tales where the prince is Prince Charming. He's a good guy. Um, but here, Prince Humperdinck is 
he's a craven asshole who just wants to start a war because it'll make him richer. <laughs> and the only reason he wants to marry Buttercup is that he can frame a neighboring country for her murder. <laughs> is that why he wants to start the war? That's what I assumed. Okay. They never, like, clearly say why he wants to start the war, though. Right. But he they does just... want to start a war, so he is he hires Vizzini to kill Butter to kidnap and then kill Buttercup so that they have a reason to start a war. And then when that doesn't happen, he's like, great, I'm going to think of my feet and we're going to kill you again. Yeah. And then Stardust, we have Septimus is the main prince, but he has at least five other princes. Well... Okay, Primus is supposed to be the good one. No, he's still evil. I mean, he he's still his, what's that? He's he's the he's the front runner. Let's put it that way. He's well, the favorite. The Pope even says that he would be the first kind king that they ever had. Uh, yeah. So they never confirm if he did or did not kill any of his brothers. They make it more clear in the book, um, but he's sort of the smartest one behind Septimus because he's always one step ahead of all of his brothers, which is why they haven't been able to kill him. Until Lamia kills him. Yeah. I know you made, said earlier that Tristan's name is different in the book, yeah. but I'm kind of happy that they called him Tristan. Yeah, me too. I think because it's Because <laughs> it makes the names on either side of the wall different. Mm-hmm. Where you have, like, Tristan, Humphrey, Victoria, Duncan. That's his dad's name? Dunstan. Dunstan. And then on the other side, you have, like, the brother, the princes, mm -hmm. Lamia, her sisters. Sal is the only one. Yeah. And Una is a name, but I think as it's a very rare name and I believe used in our human world, it's usually spelled O-O-N-A, not U-N-A. Which is interesting that she's also a number now that yeah. I think about it. Yeah. The king's children are all named in their birth order. So you have Primus, Secundus, all the way down to Septimus uh, for the seven princes. And then the one lone princess is named Una, which means one. I wonder what if there was a second princess, what her name would be. Dua? Dua. Oh my god, it's Dua Lipa! Ah! <laughs> oh, you heard it here, guys. So another similarity we can draw is that this is a stretch. Follow me with this. I'm they going down this path here. <laughs> they both start in a country in the real world, but the bulk of the story happens in an imaginary world. No, that makes sense. In Stardust, it's literally Tristan is from England, from the fictional town of Wall, but it is England. Um, and he travels into Stormhold. With the Princess Bride, every character remains in their respective worlds. But you start with the grandson and the grandfather in, I'm assuming, Illinois, because he's wearing a Chicago Bears shirt. Chicago. It's been confirmed, um, I think. Yeah. And then most of the actual story they're reading takes place in the fictional country of Florin. But they still reference, like obviously Inigo Montoya is a Spaniard. He's from Spain. And they reference Greenland and they reference Sicily and they reference Asia. Uh, do you have any more similarities? Because I have a few differences I want to touch upon. Both movies, again a stretch, both movies start with a false engagement. They, they start with a false romance, I should say, because Tristan thinks he's in love with Victoria, and then The Princess Bride kicks off when Buttercup is announced as Prince Humperdinck's fiancé, but obviously they don't get together. Speaking of the prince, <laughs> I put down that he's the antagonist, the main antagonist of that movie, Yeah. and then I said that it's Lamia is the yeah. main antagonist of Stardust. Yeah, you know, the evil witch Lamia trope. and uh, her two sisters, the Lilum. Uh, I'm going to say it's more Lamia than the sisters. I mean, yeah, Lamia is the one who does, who's the active one. But the sisters are still working with her. They share they a role her. with her. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're sidekicks to her. And then I even said that the genres were different. Okay. In a way. Where Princess Bride 
yes, they're both fantasies, but like these are other genres that I'm gonna define them as. Okay. Uh, Princess Bride is like an action comedy, and then uh, Stardust is an action adventure with comedy, like comedic moments, because there's three different storylines going on right. in that movie. You have the Tristan and Evane storyline. Mm-hmm. You have the Lamia storyline. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the fight Septimus. for the... I don't want to rule out Primus because he ha- he's in a good portion of it. Yeah. Uh, but the fight of the princes. They blend the same tones and subgenres, but they blend them differently. Yeah. In Stardust... Mm-hmm. You have those major storylines where they blend together. They blend together very well. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really very, confused. Right. It's a very well-constructed uh, plot line. But in Princess Bride, it's pretty singular. Yeah, it's very straightforward. Like, you have the, so- the secondary story with Inigo Montoya, but, like, even that is just, like, a blip. That's like yeah. a character arc, really. Yeah. That's not a... It's very much, it's more of a traditional side plot. And in Stardust, they are more parallel plots. Yes. Yes. Where, like, clearly, as I mentioned earlier, you have those montage moments of them riding a horse, riding yeah. in a carriage. Yeah. <laughs> Where... and, and it does add to the drama because very much the driving tension behind everything is that they're basically racing Tristan and Evane are racing to get over the wall at a certain time but you've got two separate parties chasing after them oh my god I just want to make sure we mention this because it takes my breath away every single time I watch this movie when she drowns Septimus via voodoo doll and he floats (laughs) in the air and the light is shining on him as if he is underwater it's such an amazing effect I fucking love that more of that in movies. It's so cool. Yeah. Go go team. Everyone doing their job at once. <laughs> <laughs> a similarity but not a not exactly the same is that we have the main villain in each movie, uh Humperdinck and Lamia, but a side villain in each movie which would be the count. The count, Count Rugen and Septimus they both get defeated by a character who is not the main hero. Because Inigo Montoya takes care of Count Rugen, Lamia takes care of Septimus. And then the prince doesn't die. In the Princess Bride. In the Princess Bride. The prince doesn't die. Right. Lamia gets killed by Evane. Yeah. Even that's the that, that's a difference. Yeah, the antagonist, the, the ending of the antagonist. I thought you were, I get you. I get you now. Okay. John was confused for a second. <laughs> John, get, John understands shady. Um, <laughs> anything else that you um, want to bring up? Would you say another similarity is that there is a bit part played by a famous comedian in each movie? Yeah. Miracle Max and Ferdy. Ferdy the Fence. Yeah. <laughs> Go casting. <laughs> Although, it, I don't know if they casted... Casted? If they cast Ricky Gervais because of Billy Crystal. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it's just like a happenstance. It's just a coincidence. All right, so we have talked these movies to death, and we could continue on for a while, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> Find us at a party, and we'll talk about them for you. Special features. If you've listened to this podcast before, then you know that what we do in each episode, we each take a movie and do further research on it for trivia and fun facts in the hopes to nerd out and surprise each other. So, John, you took The Princess Bride, which is the earlier movie. So why don't you go ahead and take it away? Okay. So you mentioned Florin and Gilda earlier. They are made-up kingdoms, but they reference a single historical coin, both called the Florin and the the Gilder. Same Mm -hmm. names. Um, 
And it's, this is a subtle joke implying that the two kingdoms are interchangeable. Also, it implies that the film is set after the year 1252 when the coin was introduced. Okay. And I, okay, right off the bat, a lot of these facts that I'm finding are from IMDb, and I'm going to read them verbatim because it's I, easier. yeah, so <laughs> I'm citing my sources, please don't at me. Um, in order to create the greatest sword fight in modern times, which I think that's what the segment is called, uh, Carrie Elwes and Mandy Patinkin trained for months with Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson, who between them had worked on Bond, Lord of the Rings, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Star Wars films, and coached Errol Flynn and Burt Lancaster. Every spare moment on set was spent practicing. Eventually, when they showed Rob Reiner the sword fight for the movie, he was underwhelmed and requested that it be at least three minutes long rather than the current one minute. They added steps to the set, watched more swashbuckling movies for inspiration, re-choreographed the scene, and ended up with a three-minute and ten-second fight, which took the better part of a week to film all angles. Whew! Sword fighting! <laughs> <laughs> so before I talk about the book, because I wanted to mention the differences from the book, even right. though I didn't read it, I researched it. Right. I have to mention this. During the pandemic slash quarantine, so in the year of our Lord 2020, <laughs> famous actors and Lego recreated the movie on the app Quibi called At Home Movies, The Princess Bride. Benefiting the World Kitchen, with Fred Savage returning as the grandson in the beginning. And sure as shit, I downloaded the app so I could watch it. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah, I saw, I saw bits of it. I saw the clip with Jack Black. Clips of it are available on YouTube. Yeah. The Jack Black bit, he uses a plastic uh, lightsaber uh, <laughs> for his sword. Uh-huh. And I forget. It was a Diego Luna. Diego Luna. I forget what he uses. A stick. <laughs> but like. Oh but my like god. When they go to the when they go to the cliffs of insanity, it's a little Lego ship going to <laughs> like a, an outdoor brick wall where it's all like gray brick and everything. Yeah. Um. They Amazing. use they use Lego for the ships. Sometimes for the the little moments here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, Nick Kroll plays two characters at the same time. Incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. McKenna Grace plays the grandson at one point. Uh, she's in everything. <laughs> of course she's in that. Uh, he's the hardest working actor in Hollywood. Tiffany Haddish plays Buttercup at the beginning. Oh my gosh, yes. And then... I found differences from the book to the movie. Mm -hmm. So S. Morgenstern is credited as the author of the book in the movie Mm -hmm. and is the quote-unquote author of the fable in real life. And that turns out to be a pen name for William Goldman. And my mind exploded when I realized that. Because <laughs> I was literally on Wikipedia just going, Who is S. Morgenstern? <laughs> you look around, you're like, I can't find him on the internet. And then you click his link on Wikipedia and you're like, What? <laughs> William Goldman? Goldman even writes in the book mm-hmm. um, himself as the narrator and how he came about the story and everything, which is similar to the grandfather and the grandson's moment. Yeah. So I was wrong in saying that that wasn't inspired by the book because I thought, I in the past, I thought that that was just scenes added later, mm-hmm. but I think I couldn't find anything that says otherwise. So the those scenes were intended to be in the movie, the final product. Mm. So when they're in the boat and, you know, when Buttercup is trying to escape, Vizzini mm-hmm. says that there are shrieking eels. Mm-hmm. That is made up for the movie. In the book, it's supposed to be sharks, which I don't know why they didn't just, well, I do and I don't. 
Yeah, I don't know why they changed it either, but I prefer the eels. I prefer the eels too. Yeah. I thought fa- this is hilarious. Miracle Max says cough drops are the only thing better than love, not an MLT. <laughs> I'm going to guess that MLT might have been an ad lib oh, by Billy prob- Crystal. Oh, most likely. <laughs> Count Rugen's death in the original novel was more graphic. After telling the son of a bitch he wants his father back, Inigo proceeds to cut Rugen's heart out, even describing what he's doing to Rugen, claiming that the Count had figuratively done the same to him when he murdered his father years before. However, before Inigo finishes cutting out count, the Count's heart, Rugen dies of fright. I'm happy they changed it, because that's a different <laughs> tone. Uh-huh. But I, you, I, don't, I don't know if I would have been allowed to watch this movie as a child if they kept no. that in. <laughs> seriously, guys, go read the IMDb trivia for this movie, because there's a lot of gems that I had to cut down. Yeah. Although I do want to share this one. I found two different injuries that happened on set one was uh cariolas broke his big toe while riding an atv which is what andre the giant used to get to set oh and so he didn't really tell anyone that he broke his toe until like after a day of filming on it and so you can see that later in the film like he's limping and things like that so yeah interesting and then I'm sorry, this one's just hilarious. Mandy Patinkin had a bruised rib because he was trying not to laugh in his scenes with Billy Crystal. <laughs> and like, I'm, you can, I'm somebody, so happy you told me that. <laughs> another trivia in there is that like you can clearly tell when he is delivering his lines to him that he's also trying not to laugh yep. at some points. Oh, it's and so also. Good. I'm, uh, I, I'm adding more. Also, Rob, which, which writer is this? this Rob, is Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner had to leave set one day because he was laughing so hard at Billy Crystal. <laughs> Amazing. But, you know, I read that at first and I was just like, the director had to leave set? What's going on? And you have stories like that. Yeah. It's like, no, he had to leave set because he was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a good time. If you if you want to like waste thirty minutes or less, just like go to IMDb and look up the Princess Bride. Yeah, I'm gonna say the same thing about Stardust. I found some really good bits here. I'm gonna try to whittle it down so it's okay. not too much. But let's. You just mentioned Robin Wright, and the Princess Bride was sort of her becoming a star. She became a star because of this movie. Similarly with Stardust, Charlie Cox was. Um, the studio didn't want to cast him. They wanted a big name like Orlando Bloom. Really? Yeah, which, I'm sorry, that does not work. No. Because he, he could not be enough of a dork in the beginning for his... <laughs> no offense to Orlando Bloom, I think you're too cool. Also, no offense to Charlie Cox, he's adorable. <laughs> he is, and he's, yeah. the one, he's, he's more believable in the face than Orlando Bloom. Yeah, he just... On this hero journey. Right, he just, he's got kind of a rounder face, which just makes him look a little bit more innocent. Um, <clears throat> Until he lost it all for Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they wanted him. The studio was really hoping that he would become like Hollywood's next big leading man. That didn't really pan out because the movie didn't do quite as well as they thought it would. But he, a couple of years later, got on the show Boardwalk Empire. Mm. And then <clears throat> after that, got Daredevil, the Netflix series. So he's actually said that he is happy with the way things panned out because he thinks that those roles were more interesting than anything he would have done if he did become a big Hollywood leading man. So his career went on a hero's journey as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, Matthew Vaughn really, really wanted Charlie Cox. He fought with the studio over it. And it wasn't until that he got Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert De Niro, and Claire Danes, who are all three big names, to sign on to the movie that they finally relented and said, fine, you can have an unknown in the lead role. Michelle Pfeiffer was Matthew Vaughn's only choice to play Lamia. Um, yeah, I don't know who else could play that part. Yeah, she- I don't know the source material, but like seeing that movie, I don't know. Yeah, no, she's 
perfect. Uh, I only am including this because I think you'll enjoy it. Matthew Vaughn had been a big fan of hers ever since he saw Grease 2. Ooh. <laughs> Which, uh, anytime I can reference Grease 2 on this podcast, I will. <laughs> Ooh, she was she wanted just a cool writer. Yeah. <laughs> Robert De Niro, we talked about a little bit earlier, was very excited to do this. And I read on IMDb that he wanted to do it specifically because he had turned down the part of Captain Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean. And he regretted it. He was supposed to be Barbosa? Yeah. That what a different movie. So different. Yeah. Claire Danes, I'm really bad at gauging whether somebody has a good or bad British accent if they're an American actor. Um, I had to look this up too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Claire Danes is, has been praised as being so good that she sounds more natural British than with her own actual American accent. <laughs> um, the role of the vein, they originally wanted Sarah Michelle Geller and she turned it down. Ooh. Right? No. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, They also asked Anne Hathaway. They asked Scarlett Johansson, um, and a bunch of people turned it down. And I could see Anne Hathaway. I could see Anne Hathaway. I think Claire Danes is really good. She's the she's like the amalgamation of those other three stars that you mentioned. Yeah, she has like that sweet and innocent look of Anne Hathaway, but Mm -hmm. she has like that grit in that bite to her that Sarah Michelle Gellar and Scarlett Johansson have. Yeah. So I'm happy they got her. Yeah. And she, she also just kind of looks like, you know, she's supposed to be a celestial body and there's just something about her that does seem, what's the word I'm looking for? A little otherworldly. Till it's with me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm not going to stay too long on casting. I just wanted to mention this too. Mark Strong, who plays Septimus, up to this point in his career, he mostly played romantic heroes in period pieces. This was a major turning point for his career because now, after this movie, he almost exclusively plays villains. Except for Kingsman, which is Except also Matthew Vaughn. <laughs> right. Which leads me into my next point, which is connecting this movie and the people involved to a bunch of other comic book movies. Matthew Vaughn obviously directed Kick-Ass, Kingsman, and... X-Men First Class, which are all based off of comic books. Mm-hmm. Mark Strong is in Kingsman. He is the villain Sinestro in Green Lantern, which is, I don't recommend that movie. Oh, he was. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's also the villain in another DC movie, Shazam, which I do recommend. It's my favorite movie. Oh, he was. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got Michelle Pfeiffer, who is in Batman Returns as Catwoman. And then she's also in Ant-Man and the Wasp as Janet, the original Wasp. (laughs) One of the few Um, actors that can cross over between DC and Marvel. (laughs) Right. Obviously, we've got Charlie Cox, who we already discussed was Daredevil in the Netflix Mm -hmm. series. We've got Ian McKellen as the narrator, who was Magneto. Obvi. Yeah. Jason Fleming was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Who was he in this movie? He was Primus. And he was also in X-Men First Class as Azazel. Azazel? Yes. Azazel. Azazel. (laughs) Um, Ben Barnes, who plays young Dunstan Thorne, was Billy Russo in The Punisher, the Netflix series. And then, of course, we have the almost unrecognizable Henry Cavill, who went on to play the most famous American comic book character. I think I can say that with little controversy. Batman. (laughs) Sure, let's go with it. Nobody's going to get mad at us. (laughs) Uh, Good times. But I want to talk about costumes a little bit. I'm sure you noticed. um, Yes. Each of the princes has the Roman numeral for their number that they're named after stitched into their costume. Fuck! (laughs) It's pretty subtle, but now that you know that, you're going to see it. Uh, I wasn't watching for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also like that at least the ones that we see in their human form before they become ghosts, they each have a signature color. And of course, 
Septimus being the evil one is it's black, black. <laughs> and he also gets to wear that badass leather coat. Mm, the duster. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing with the number, the brothers and their numbers. Um, so we get rid of Secundus and Tertius right away. The other three are already dead before we start. So the only ones we actually see on a journey are Septimus and Primus. Septimus is always accompanied by six henchmen, for lack of a better word. So he's always in a group of seven. Primus is always by himself. He's always the only one, except for the when ghosts he picks up of Tristan. his brothers. Well, yeah, but and uh, the ghosts of his brothers as well. But he travels alone, and I just thought that was such a cool, interesting detail. I wonder if Secundus and Tertius would have would have had. <laughs> Yeah. The number of people with them. Probably. Yeah. And Quintus and Sextus and Quartus. Quartus. Yes, that's his name. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that they all, how they portrayed their, they make up them to look dead. <laughs> yeah. Because one of them was burned, another one was frozen, and the, other, the third one had an axe in his head. Yeah. And then you have... Oh, no, the <laughs> And then Tertius Primus just kind of looks normal because he was poisoned. Primus is naked with his throat slit. Yeah. <laughs> and then once uh, Septimus dies, he's soaking wet. <laughs> um, oh, one last thing I'm going to fit in because I think it's fun. So the inn that uh, Evane and Tristan stay in after Evane has confessed her love for him and he confesses her love, his love back, um, it's called The Slaughtered Prince. And the painting over the inn, well, first of all, that name is a reference to the slaughtered lamb from an American werewolf in London. And the painting on the sign is of two princes, one having just murdered the other. The one who just did the murdering is based off of young Peter O'Toole, who plays the king, who says <laughs> that he... Oh my he ad- God! He admits to having murdered all 12 of his brothers to become king. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I've got. Again, I could go on for a long time about this movie. If you've got the time, check it out on IMDb, their trivia page. Lots of fun stuff. Special so should we move on to final thoughts? Yes. <laughs> All right. So every week we ask the same five questions or variants of those same five questions. First of all, can we think of any other movies like these two? Pick a movie that has a hero's journey and that's set in a fantasy world. Well, I'm thinking more stuff that is directly a fairy tale and not one that is a parody or just a modern update of one. I'm going to make an argument for Edward Scissorhands. Um, I would also argue many of Terry Gilliam's movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't think of any that have the pirates and the evil princes and the other things that we drew similarities to in these two movies. Oh, oh, Imaginarium of Dr. Panarsis, kind of. Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm listing a specific one. Does that one have... (laughs) The Heath Ledger characters, mm-hmm. they have the look of, they, they look similar to Tristan, actually. They do. They have a similar costume. They do. Interesting. Hm. Yay, me. <laughs> um, second question, did we like these movies? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, would we watch them again? Yeah. yeah but, I think I'm gonna, but I think I'm going to pick The Princess Bride over Sternest. I would agree with that, but I love both of these movies, so I would watch The Princess Bride a hundred more times happily, and I'd watch Stardust 50 more times times. (laughs) 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 Um, Would we recommend these movies? Yes. Yes. And finally, we kind of already answered this at the top of the episode, are they actually the same? No. I agree. They have similar elements, they're not the same. Yeah. All right. No. Yes. No. Crap. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So I guess that wraps it up for this episode. Hooray. Um, (laughs) Do you want to promote your social media? Oh, 
if anyone if anyone wants to fight with you i mean did we really say anything that i don't think we said anything controversial you can find me on twitter at movies john that is john with no h shady how can they at you at cookie oh shady and if you want to at us uh say because shady did say earlier that these are the best movies of the uh fuck princess bread is the best movie of the 80s yeah uh you can (laughs) i did say that (laughs) you can email us we're movie deja vu pod at gmail.com you know what? Let's spell it one more time. <laughs> N-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. I'm not spelling Gmail. You should know by now. <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And on Twitter at Movie Deja Vu. No pod. Yeah. <laughs> and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're on Facebook now. Yeah. We Fun. have been for a while. Yeah. Uh, oh, gee. Uh, <laughs> Just look up Movie Deja Vu. It's spelt everywhere. Yeah. I, think it, I think it's at Movie Deja Vu Pod as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think we did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to email us, get at us. Or if you want to say, hey, you should do this movie, we won't argue you. Like if you want to give us a suggestion and I'm looking up what we're doing next week. If you want to join us in the discussion, Oh, duh. <laughs> if you want to join us uh, and understand the discussion next week, we're doing Pulp Fiction versus Bad Times at the El Royale. Ooh. Ooh. Are you ready to talk about that one? I am. John, as you wish. Ah. Uh, Ah, you killed me. Hello. Grandpa, maybe you could come over and read it again to me tomorrow. As you wish.